Hello and welcome to the Whip Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Stone. Here I talk to various comic creators about their work to try and get some insight into their creative process. If you enjoy the podcast, please do give us a follow or subscribe, or maybe a little five-star rating, and tell all your comic-loving friends about it. For this episode, I spoke to Abs Bailey, an excellent small press creator who just released her debut graphic novel, Zebedee and the Valentines with Avery Hill. We talked about how she came up with the story, developing the characters, and visually depicting sound. Hello. Hello. Hey, how's, how's it going? Yeah, all good, thanks. Excellent. Thank you for joining me. Okay. Yeah, podcasts. It's my favourite kind of cast. <laughs> Apart from film casts, maybe. That's a pretty good kind of cast. Yeah. Like as far as casts go. How's uh, things treating you in uh, these weird times? It's been all right, I guess. Um, it's been strange. It's, yeah. I've like said, I've not really done anything for like five months, so it feels really strange. I mean, you say you've not done anything, but you have released a book. True, very that's, true. Uh, that's quite a big thing to do. That is. It's strange because it's sort of like wrapped up just before the lockdown started. Yeah. And like a lot's been going on, but it's like not being on my end of it. So it's, it's really cool to just keep getting these little updates. And it's yeah. like, oh, nice. Well, it's obviously nice that the book's out there in the world now as well, which is uh, very exciting. Yeah, it's cool. Like people keep messaging me being like, it's just arrived. And it's like, whoa, that's crazy. It's, it's, it's really good as well, which I think is another thing that's uh, to be even more impressive is <laughs> with the whole situation, the fact that the book itself is so accomplished, I think is the way that I describe oh, it. Like you, you. You, you wouldn't be able to tell that it's your first graphic novel, I don't think. So, um, <laughs> so for anyone who hasn't read it yet, what's it about? It's about the world's unluckiest punk band and the who has possibly the worst, most narcissistic singer. He gets everything he's wanted in like the worst way possible. So where did the idea for the story come from? Like, how did you start developing it? Did it start with the characters? Because you mentioned that the lead singer is very narcissistic, which um, he's kind of kind of a dick for the majority of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It started with the character, yeah. It was more of a case of, I sort of just did this doodle and I was like, wow, this guy looks like an asshole. And I kept <laughs> sort of just going with it. And then it sort of turned into this weird skeleton guy and then, I was watching loads of documentaries about like different bands in the seventies at the time. And it was like, yeah, this would be a cool, a cool guy to be in a band, but he'd be really horrible and the band would be terrible. So you were just like from starting from there, like how did you then start to develop that one character into a whole a narrative surrounding him? I tend to build up the characters and I'm like, when I'm thinking of them, I start to be like, okay, well, why are they, why are they like this? Why am I picturing them in this sort of way? And then as I was doing that with Zebedee, the other characters started sort of forming. I was like, okay, cool. So he'll have a drummer who's like pretty cool and quite quiet, a guitarist who's like really good and she probably shouldn't be with this band. And then there's this other guy who we just, does not get along with at all. They just don't click. They're totally different, but they work really well together. And then that sort of just the dynamic started forming and I was like, okay, so what's going to happen with this band and stuff now? And I wanted it to be more focused on like the conflicts between the characters as opposed to what sort of happens to them as a group, particularly. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, like, I think it's, it's, it's quite, yeah, the story's definitely more focused on the internal conflict within the band rather than the, the outside things that are happening to the band, which I think works extremely well in its favour. 
when it comes to like the character design and things like that as well, so you've got quite a distinct style, I think, in terms of just the way that you draw in general, particularly when it comes to the characters. What were the ideas in, in, behind the way the characters looked? Oh, I, each one was inspired by like sort of a different range or a different specific person that's quite famous in music. So Rocco, who's like the sort of hippie, more Beatlesy character, is quite heavily inspired by John Lennon, like only mm-hmm. looks wise. But some of the attitudes and the way he speaks are fairly similar to. Then Zebedee was sort of a mix of quite a lot of different front men in very glam, punky bands. Mm-hmm. I had Kate, who's very Joan Jett, sort of quite punk. And then there was Morris, who's a little bit Beatlesy, but a little bit punk. And that sort of really inspired how I was drawing them. And then, so with the the story, once you kind of had that internal conflict uh, within the band worked out, how hard was it to fit that in, into a kind of a story that encompassed that? It was weirdly difficult, actually, because I sort of had the story and then the original story was just like, it's a band and they do really badly and they break up and it was like, that's not a particularly good story, actually. So that was like the first tiny version of the comic, which was like 20 pages, I think. It was really small. It was only meant to be a little thing. And then I sort of started going back into it. And I was like, okay, maybe it could be more focused on the characters and the conflict and sort of how they interact. A little more, I was quite inspired by like a lot of stuff that happened to like friends around me in like personal life as well. And I was like, how can I amp these conflicts up and sort of figure them out between these characters now on paper? Yeah, that's a thing. I do a lot of work of just like a little personal experience having like me or someone I know and being able to kind of just like that's like plants a little seed of a yeah. of like an narrative idea or just like a character arc or something. Yeah, so like all characters are just projections of people we know, really. Oh, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, like the music's also very important to the comic in general, to the story and to the, the way you've, it's drawn, like the yeah. musical influence in terms of both the music that the band play and the, the scene and the setting that they're in. How, how did you approach translating the musical world into a, into a comic book? That was a really interesting one because originally I wanted to go with sort of some like 3D photo montage stuff, I was thinking. And mm-hmm. I tried it and it went really badly, not so much with the music, but the characters just were not working in that kind of way. I've got a really creepy like 3D doll of Zebedee I've made and it just it wasn't representing what I wanted it to well enough in terms of translating the sound so I was like okay let's let's go back to this what shapes uh, associated with different kinds of music so like for more hippie stuff I've got lots of flowers for punky stuff there's just skulls and lightning bolts and very like typical shapes and imagery you'd associate with that kind of music but then that way it does make it quite obvious as to what it sounds like because people go oh yeah that's a skull that's going to be punk so I think the sort of basicness of those images work quite well to do it and just going back to something simple like drawing skulls by a person playing punk music ended up actually working better than the really extravagant stuff I was trying to do at the start. So the way in which you show the uh, the band themselves actually playing the songs I think works particularly well. I think like comics are such a good medium for showing sound because you, you show yeah. it as like a physical thing on the actual page as well. So, yeah, how did, so was that kind of part of the crafting of the story in the first place? Was the, the, with, the with the songs that they play important to things? Were kind of important. It was more the events that the songs were centered around because each time they sort of would play together were quite important plot points. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a nice little way to tie the narratives 
together because there's a few little different parts that then will need to come into one and having them perform each time something major was about to happen sort of started bringing it together a little bit more rather than having the actual content of the songs because those were very much I'm googling lyric generator (laughs) and putting stuff in (laughs) yeah songs songs are hard to write I I, I was in a band in my youth and I was the lyricist and uh yeah it's just horribly embarrassing yeah I think there's somewhere like the guitarist recorded like a, a, a demo CD of like us playing in a couple of gigs once. And nice. I, I really hope it's just been lost to the ages. I'm pretty sure it has, but no one ever needs <laughs> to hear that. It'll come back to haunt you and you least expect it. Oh, it, will. Do. it absolutely will. Uh, <laughs> what a terrifying prospect. Um, so I think that I think also this works in the book really nicely is the, the kind of the balance you managed to strike between the maybe more comedic elements not that the book's like comedic per se it's not like I don't think meant to be overtly funny just in terms of the characters and the expressions and the kind of exaggerated appearance of things um but also without spoiling it it does go to some quite dark places in the narrative so how did you manage to like strike that balance between the more 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 comedic light-hearted kind of look and the uh the like more serious subject matter in the actual story I think it was a lot of the comedy was because I thought it would kind of not be particularly interesting to read if it would have just been the dark stuff they don't do like dark and gritty particularly well mm. like I feel like I can get more of a a punch and more of like make these serious moments seem more serious if the rest of it is framed in a more comedic element absolutely yeah and I think it just helps like bring the characters to life a little bit more as well because people are like they're funny and dumb and stupid a lot of the time and it just help to humanise the characters a little bit as well, I think. Especially with characters like Zebedee who don't take anything seriously at all. I think it worked quite well to sort of make his lowest points seem that much lower because then it, it wasn't funny for him anymore. It might have been for us a little bit because he's a <laughs> dick. But <laughs> a little bit, maybe. I mean, let's, let's, let's go like into Zebedee himself a little bit. So he is... Uh, a fairly unpleasant character. Like, how did you go about making such a, a nasty person? Because you're a very nice person. Uh, <laughs> how did you approach making him just so unpleasant? I, I, I really like writing characters that I just absolutely hate. Like, when I, when I write sort of nicer ones, I'm like, ah, oh, they're nice. But they're nice. Yeah. And then when it's horrible ones, it's like, oh, yeah, you're going to do this now and this now and this now. And because I was watching all of these documentaries and getting inspired by some quite interesting folks in real life who were probably absolutely lovely people, but some of them had some quite nasty moments. Yes. I was sort of like, I'm going to take all of these and put them into one character. And it was like, I want someone that you, you don't want to root for at all, but like you kind of hope that things start going their way, but then you don't and then you do. And I just wanted him to be quite conflicting. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely comes across like he's 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 a particularly unpleasant character, but you do kind of kind of feel sorry for him in some some parts of the book. Definitely, of like you know that some of the problems he's got himself into aren't necessarily what he intended. Um, yeah, even though the way he acts isn't 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 nice, then he's still not trying trying to actually cause necessarily harm to anyone else around him. Yeah, yeah, he's well intended, but it's in a very selfish way. Yeah, like the intentions are purely for himself, even if. It doesn't involve hurting someone. <laughs> yeah. 
So just going back to like developing that story a little bit. So after you had the first sketch and you had the characters worked out and you kind of knew that there was going to be the conflict within the band, it's the kind of the main driving force. Uh, how did you go about working out the structure of the story and like the actual, like the flow of the narrative? So this is, is something I'm particularly bad at. And I think luckily I'd got past this point by the time I started working with Avery Hill on it. So they didn't have to see the horrible, this collection of scraps but I tend to like write bullet points in small chunks of things that make sense to happen together. So it would be like the man walks to the shop, he sees a dog and that's in one section. And then like the man gets to the shop, there is no soup. Is in another section and I chop them up and then just start rearranging stuff everywhere. And it turns into like a horrible mess of different parts of the story. And I'm trying to figure out what goes where and then how to fill in gaps between points that need something in the middle of them. And there was like the the big big sad that happened in the middle of the book. Yeah, was like not there for most of the process. Like the story wasn't centered around that happening. And then I was like, hmm, I need something bigger to happen than what I had planned. So maybe this could happen instead. And then I sort of once that was in, everything else started making sense around it, and I could start altering the bits at the start again, and the bits that I had planned for the end sort of fit around this middle then. Yeah, so it's, it's very nonsensical, non-logical. I mean, I think I think that is it does make sense. I think that yeah, the kind of working out the different all the points that you want to hit throughout the story, all the different like, yeah. events, and then just kind of putting it together. I mean, I talk I talked a bit about I like to plan things, but I definitely I still do things like that as well. Of I don't necessarily do like a full script all the time. I kind of I write yeah, out definitely. an outline of the story and then I'll kind of fill in the gaps a little bit. And I, yeah. I'll always change it last minute when it actually comes to drawing things as well, <laughs> yeah. when it comes to making the final thing. How complete was the story when you when you began to, to kind of draw it? It was pretty though, like in terms of all of the events that happened in the like plan I had did end up in it when I started drawing it. But there was a lot of things that, changed it was more on a technical point that was like oh man like you put this double page spread together it looks horrible so like I'd swap the few pages around change what my dialogue was if it would flow a bit better on the page and things Mm -hmm. but the whole story was pretty much there when I started doing the final one going back a little bit how did you kind of get involved in making comics in the first place like what's the the background story in terms of how you got into the comic scene it was uni for me I like really didn't know anything about them until I started doing my undergrad and then we had a project that involved comics on that. And after I did it, one of the lecturers was like, hey, do comic fairs. So I did. And then it kind of spiraled out of control and I got very <laughs> addicted to it very quickly. I'd just be like making zines on the photocopiers every 10 minutes. But it was good stuff. And then just as it went on, sort of more and more started happening because I was taking like every single thing I could get to do with it. Yeah. Look at you now with your first book and everything. It's, uh, I know, right? It's, it's all worth it in the end. <laughs> what do you think that comics are such a good way to tell a story this one in particular what, 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 why do you think that comics are the medium that you went for I think it's, it's just there's something nice about reading a book but being able to look at it more than read it if you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. like a nice mix between I'm reading a story and watching TV and it like meets a really it scratches a really good itch between the two I think so you get nice visual stuff and it's it's got a different pacing to if you were watching something or if you were reading something, you can yeah. really invest yourself in it because you're doing it how you want to, you know? 
Absolutely, yeah. I think yeah, the, the pacing, the use of pacing in comics is such a important thing. Is something that you really can't capture in other mediums. Um, I think there's something that you do particularly well in this book as well. Like uh, again, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but I think there's one sequence in particular where you really manage to like slow the pacing down in a visual way that is really, really effective in terms of getting across what the character is going through and telling the story. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's great. Thank you. That's good stuff. A lot of just bits where you'd like naturally if you were like having it on a tv show for example if things would pause and have like a moment where it was just like the sound tracker yeah something like that then it's like there's a panel just to stop and breathe for a second yeah and yeah that's such a great a great tool that we can use in comics that yeah like, definitely. Our, our mediums can't i think yeah the, the, the pacing of the book in general is really good i think like the the the, the band sequences particularly they, they, they also work in terms of the kind of the shift of the pace between the the band playing through to them the kind of talking after the, each 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 set that they play um works works really nicely so thanks <laughs> it's good stuff so in terms of getting the book released with avery hill uh how did that come about what's the what's the background story there so with this one i just tweeted an image of the band it was when I was just going to, I think I was doing it for LCAF mm-hmm. last year. And that was when it was originally going to sort of just be put out. And I tweeted a picture like, hey, I'm working on something as I intend to do, which then I never follow for on usually. <laughs> so, um, then the guys from Avery Hill got in touch and they'd sent me an email like, hey, this looks pretty fun. Like, can you send us anything you've got to do with it? And I, I sent them the stuff and it sort of just went from there really. It was a really fast process. Okay, cool. So, so last last year was when you started working on this book. So yeah, like, last April was when I started properly. That was when the contract was signed, and like I started drawing it and stuff. So you're very good at drawing and very fast at drawing. Um, which <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't working for most of it, so I was okay. able to do it full time. <laughs> that's, that's just like particularly, particularly impressive in terms of the, uh, the the pace that you got it out. It's crazy. My disclaimer there it was um, I knew I was going back to uni in the autumn, so I was like, I'm gonna quit my horrible job because I live at home with my parents and just draw stuff for three months. So yeah. I had like that nice full tiny head start on it. Yeah. And there's a lot of drawing like during lectures too. <laughs> I can imagine. That's, yeah. That's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on a comic at the minute. I'm actually not, not working this week. I've got like a week off work and I've been nice. uh, drawing pretty frantically on it as much as I possibly can in, in yeah. all the spare time I've got. And I've drawn like three pages like the whole week, which is, I mean, that's I, not bad. That's pretty I, wait, wait a second. Let me think. Three pages, two and a half pages uh, so far this week. And yeah. <laughs> I, f- I find it very, very slow. Still, I, I need Comics to get. take ages. <laughs> I really do. It's such a such a slow, slow yeah. thing, but ultimately worth it in the end, of course. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are you working on next? What's what's the next thing in the pipeline? I haven't got anything lined up actually. I'm sort of I've taken like a couple of months just to like fully relax and chill. So I've not. I've been doing really full on stuff for like the last five years or so, comics wise. Mm-hmm. I've just been like pumping stuff out like crazy. So I was like, I'm going to take a break, just refresh, stop feeling burned out that's a, a little that's a, bit. I mean, yeah, I think, I think particularly after like a big project, like your first graphic novel being released, you're uh, definitely able to have a little bit of time off. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it was like, I don't have any ideas after I'd done that clip and putting all my energy into it. So I was like, I'm just going to take a breather, but I'm quite interested in looking into working with someone on something now, like okay. a writer, because I really like making comics, but like writing them is the bit I like the least. Okay. 
So I think it would be pretty cool to like work on a project with someone and maybe bring their ideas to life. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I mean, it's all something I've kind of debated is whether I was ever interested in as well. I think I've talked before on the podcast about how I wouldn't ever want someone else to draw what I've written, but the other way around, I might be more open to it. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, I don't think I'd want to, or anyone else to draw stuff I've written either. <laughs> I guess because a lot of it, especially for your work as well, it's quite personal based. That's a lot of your experience yeah. as well. So I guess yeah, you drawing exactly. it makes I mean, the most connection with it. <laughs> with the, with, with definitely the more the, the personal stuff, the definitely it's um yeah. I mean, it'd, be, it'd be weird if someone else apart from me just drew it. I think in general they, yeah. they wouldn't quite get that personal experience. But yeah, the, the, the one I'm working at the minute is not not fully autobiographical. Some of it is like mildly inspired by uh, true yeah. events. Nice. Of it, but, um, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to have it finished so then I haven't got to draw it anymore. My hand hurts all the time now. Yeah, it's, it's one of those killers. You go like, look after it. I had the same too last year. It was a few months of just like, ouch. Yeah. When you've got a deadline to kind of finish things off, then that's, it's a good thing. It's like a motivating factor. It kind of makes you think, yeah. oh, now I have to actually do it. And I think that that's one of the things I've I found hard this year, especially of obviously all the comic fairs yeah. being cancelled and all the kind of things, all plans falling yeah, apart. Yeah, there's no deadlines. And... It's exactly like for finding that motivation to do it when I'm like, ah, I'll save it for next year. But um, Yeah, I'm just like, re- I'll wait for the crunch again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I also think like that crunch, it does help. Like if it wasn't for that, I just, I'd never finish anything. Yeah, definitely. I'd like, if there was no more deadlines ever, I don't know if I'd ever make it. Yeah. I mean, like the the, the comic fairs, I I imagine they'll be coming back next year. I I hope. I hope so. I mean, they've done some really good online stuff this year though. So So there is, even if they're not on next year. There'll still be some good stuff around, hopefully. So on, the, on the internet somehow, yeah. We'll work something yeah. out. As yeah. a, as We've a had this year to practice. We can, like, nail it next Exactly, year. yeah. That's, that's a good point. I mean, even if things stick online in the future, I think that would probably work out. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool if, like, there were physical ones and digital ones, too. Yeah. It's like there's loads of the American fairs that have been doing some online stuff, and it's like, this is really neat, because there's no way I could go to this. Yeah, there's, there's I've always missed out on uh, Yeah. Fire. Um, have you got anything else that you wanted to mention, in particularly in relation to Zebedee and Valentine's? I'm just like pretty excited to see what people think of it now that it's out there, and I've like not had to look at it for a few months. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, cool, it's it's back. It's I've seen it in person now, and it's weirdly different. If you know what I mean? It is one. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Got the uh, the called the card thing that came with it as well. Nice. It's very nice. <laughs> I had someone ask me, they were like, why is there five signatures? Who the hell is the fifth character? And I was like, oh, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> you're the fifth member of the band. I am. I've, I've been really tempted to make like puppets of them all so I can sit in my room and pretend I'm in a cool punk band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can't see anything wrong with that. I think that sounds like a very good idea. So, I'll do a sequel, but like live with puppets. Oh, yeah. I'd love to watch that. I'd love to see it. <laughs> um. So did you, I've got any any advice for anyone who's just trying to get into making comics. If they're working on their first comic, how would you approach it? Just make, make it, make it, post it on the internet and then make another one and then post it on the internet. Or if you don't want to post it on the internet, don't. Just keep making stuff. Like even if you think it's horrible and terrible, like don't stress about it. Just be like, okay, that's done. And then make something else. Because once it's done, you don't ever have to look at it again if you don't want to, but you've still done it and you still have the experience and the practice. And 
yeah you'll just get better and better as long as you keep doing it make comics that's a very good advice it's yeah it, it, it sounds like a weird pouty one but it's it's like it's what helps it's what works you're not going to learn to do comics better if you don't make any very true <laughs> yeah I, I think i think you're right i think it's absolutely the right kind of advice like it, it might sound obvious but uh making things and then once you made it showing it to people is also just so important i mean i guess a lot of it is it's just about sort of trying to put yourself out there i've been working with students at uni this year and stuff and it's like a lot of them have been asking the same question it's just really being like you have to keep putting it out there like send it to places like broken frontier because like god knows that was the best thing i ever did oh yeah perhaps we should talk a little bit about uh, broken frontier we were in the six to watch obviously last, last we year, which was a great a, a vintage year uh, for six to watch in general it was. Uh, how did how do you think that changed things for you then it changed things massively i didn't have a particularly big reach before like a tool because I'm really terrible at social media and like when it comes to events I tend to sort of stay behind my table because I'm quite shy and stuff but then this year because I from Broker Frontier suddenly had like a bit more of a connection with people in the community it's like oh hey there's there's six of us like as you know like last year was the sort of year we first spoke at a fair and stuff and it was like yeah cool I've got these Sort of more connections now more of an audience and I think just from the stuff being posted on Broken Frontier I had quite a nice chunk of sort of followers online and stuff and people actually at events which is really nice as well when it does happen and they're like oh yeah I saw this I read about it online like show me your comics I think from that it, it gave me the little boost I needed to then sort of get bigger I don't want to say bigger jobs because that's not the right word. <laughs> but, you know, I get a bit of a boost in comicking yeah. in general. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the same thing for me as well is the just the, the, the idea of the, the boost in terms of the reach just the, for the potential audience being able to get our books in front of people. Uh, even if it wasn't a, a huge boost, it was still such, it was still enough of a change that we really managed to open things up dramatically for me. It's a confidence boost as well, I think, because you're like, oh, yeah. well, they, they've noticed me. They think I'm, I'm good enough for this. So then you sort of have more of a confidence to step in and be like, hello, would you like to look at this comic I've made? Whereas like, you yeah. might not necessarily have approached people before. Like, I don't think I'd ever have pitched to a publisher before that. But now I'm like sort of being like, yeah, I'm going to make stuff, send it out to people. Who knows? And why not? It's Ooh. nice knowing that there's a chance to not have to sort out the printing yourself. That's yeah, I mean, uh, for some people, there's definitely, I think, the, the ultimate dream of just to not have to worry about all the, the faff of the printing and stuff. Although, although secretly, I actually quite, I quite like that. I quite like That's that. But I, I, like, I like the the extreme level of control I've got to overdoing everything myself, yeah. even though it's quite a lot of hard work. But. Yeah. It's like I love all of it apart from the formatting it into the right like files and stuff. Yeah. It's like that's that's the worst. Oh, that's the best bit. The, the file My laptop just cannot handle it. Bless it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do it for workers, so I do it for my job and stuff anyway. But uh, yeah, the file no, format yeah. absolutely is the the highlight of making comics for me. It's the that's fair. All, all, all the writing and the drawing, but I could take a leave. But yeah. getting it into print ready format. Mm. I love that. I swear, everyone, like everyone that does comics is like drawing them is the worst part. Oh yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the best part of making comics is having the idea when you've got an idea for a comic, you're like, oh, I've got, this is going to be brilliant. I've got a great idea yeah, for a comic. Definitely. The worst part is then having to actually see that idea through to completion. Yeah. And then the very start and the very end. Exactly. Like, then, notch, like, the really, really nice bit of having it finished and giving it to people and like selling it. That's great. But yeah, all yeah. the middle bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of half joking. Obviously, I, I I do like I genuinely do enjoy the process of making comics and uh, yeah. and drawing and writing them. It's just very difficult. Um, yeah. But if it wasn't difficult, it wouldn't be worth doing, I guess. So. Yeah, it wouldn't be as fun if it was like you didn't constantly have little challenges and stuff cropping up. Yeah, exactly. So, where can people get hold of a copy of Zebedee and the Valentines? Uh, at the moment, just for Avery Hill, but there are some bookshops, I think. It, you can pre-order it on Waterstones, which is fun, because I found that out while I was applying for a job. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then there, I Gosh Comics do it, and I imagine a few similar places will start cropping up around there. But the easiest place to go is, is Avery Hill's website at the moment. Cool. Okay. And where can everyone find you on social media and things? Uh, Twitter and Instagram are my main ones. I don't post super frequently, but I am planning on getting better at it. Yeah, I currently don't have a website because it's under maintenance, but I say under maintenance, I mean I'm making a Tumblr instead because it's free, but... Ah, that's a, that's a good way to do it, definitely. But cool, okay, well, uh, thanks, uh, thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been good. Thanks to Abs for talking to me. Just a quick little piece of news. You might remember back in episode one, we talked about the upcoming Whip Comics anthology books. This year, we have two books coming out titled Success and Failure, and they are now all finished and will be released in October. There'll be more details coming soon about how you can get your hands on them. So please do keep an eye on our social media accounts for all the information about where and how you can get your copies. Both of them are looking really good. The quality of work this year is incredibly high and I absolutely can't wait to get them out there. Apart from the podcast and the anthologies, WIP also has two monthly meetup groups, which these days are all online and anyone is welcome to join from anywhere in the world. Just head to meetup.com slash whipcomics for all the info you need about them and the group in general. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at whip underscore comics and you can find me at joe underscore stone on Twitter just joe stone on instagram do get in touch with any comments questions or suggestions and thank you for listening